Welcome to a quick timeout podcast presented by 323 Sports. I'm your host, Coach Tony Miller, and on this episode, I'm joined by none other than NBA skills trainer Drew Hanlon. Many of you are familiar with Drew and his Pure Sweat basketball team. He and I talked about the most important traits for a skills trainer, organizing a workout session, and essential skills for effective workouts. Before you finish listening, make sure you check the show notes for info on some free training resources from Drew. Those will be available and linked in the description. As always, thanks to 323 Sports for sponsoring the podcast. Team uniforms, coaching gear, sports equipment, no matter your need, 323 Sports can help you out. Visit 323sports.com to find out more. Now here's my conversation with Drew Hanlon. It's great to have Pure Sweat Skills trainer Drew Hanlon on the show. Drew, thanks so much for working with me to make this happen. Yeah, no doubt. I'm glad we were uh, persistent and, and finally got it done. Just to tip things off, what would you say are the two most important characteristics of a basketball skills trainer? You know, to be honest with you, I think the first one is caring. And, uh, you know, I, I say this a lot, and it's funny, but, um, you know, I think that if you have good intent, you care a lot about your player, you're going to put in the work, and you're going to try to find solutions for every problem that they have. And, um, you know, that's the first one, you know, really – being able to do everything that you possibly can to try to get the results for your player. And the second one is knowledge. Um, you know, obviously the caring part, you know, I actually put first because I really do think that, um, you know, there are some trainers that maybe do even lack some of the knowledge that maybe is important, but they, they really instill confidence in their players. And, and that's, you know, more than half the battle. But then the second part is knowledge just because, you know, you need to be able to teach them the right things and you need to have solutions for every problem that they're going to see out there on the court. And I think that, you know, it's really easy for people to maybe jump on YouTube or Instagram or, um, you know, all the many resources that are available online and just kind of copy and paste what they see. But the really good skills coaches have the uh, ability to teach the details and what I call the micro skills, uh, kind of the skills within the skills that make or break players in the long run. I want to talk a little bit about how you plan workouts. And so having a knowledge not just of those skills, but also about your players, how do you go about planning an individual workout for a guy? You know, for me, it actually starts before we ever get in the gym. Um, you know, normally what we'll do is um, after, after a given season, um, we'll sit down and we'll go over film, we'll go over analytics, and then we'll also talk to the people that are in the circle. So that means... Uh, you know, the head coach, uh, the player development guy that works with them throughout the season, um, you know, in, in conjunction with me, um, you know, maybe their front office, maybe their agent. You know, we're talking to anybody that has real influence over their game. Then all together, we kind of come up with one to three things that we're going to focus on during an off season, And those one to three things um, we're able to lock in on and really get better at. I think that, you know, early on in my career, I tried to – I kind of had a pancake theory where I tried to spread them wide and thin, and uh, now it's all about depth and, and really getting better at one to three things. And so that's kind of how the workouts work out. You know, we, we basically we set up one to three things, and, and then we lock in on one, one kind of skill at a time. So a given workout, we might come, you know, in the gym and uh, let them get warmed up, you know, with kind of, a, you know, my either a physical therapist or, a, you know, a trainer where they just have kind of a routine that they go through. Uh, to make sure that their body's prepared. And then after that, we'll do some, uh, you know, warm-up form shooting and then some, uh, you know, basic just little spot-up shooting just to get them kind of, you know, their blood flowing. 
And then after that, we lock in on whatever we're, we're trying to accomplish. And then we finish up with game shots and, and get them out of there. But we'll never have more than one or two focuses in a workout so that we can really go in depth. And then during the season, the workouts are a little bit different because we're basically just correcting things or, or trying to add things that, um, you know, make adjustments is the best way to put it, um, that we've seen on film or, or during games that um, we think will help them out moving forward. One of the things that I've observed from the guys that you work with specifically is not the fact that they're skilled in uh, minute details of footwork or being able to shoot, but it seems like they're really high IQ players. For somebody that's listening, I guess the thing that I'm asking is for a skills trainer, they think probably it's just being able to teach them individual moves. I'm guessing that you would say it's a whole lot more than that. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I think that, you know, expect, like in youth players, I think it's great if they can just, you know, do the moves or do the reads or whatever. But the truth is that that's just very surface level teaching. And so, um, you know, I think really being able to teach the the how, the why, um, and just all the little details that go into, um, you know, really making sure that they get the game results instead of just the workout results. You know, you see a lot of players, especially that are really good in workouts. And then when they go to the game, um, you know, they're not fully prepared. And so I think that there's, there's two big reasons. Number one is we talk through all the different details and we simplify the details. And so, um, you know, the first thing, you know, in the process is basically just making sure that they understand the information and they can teach it back to me. Because if they can't teach it back to me, then that means they don't know it thoroughly enough to actually do it in the games. And the second thing that we do is we use kind of a systematic approach where first thing we do is we go through it on film. The second thing we do is we walk through it. Third thing that we'll do is do it piece by piece. Fourth thing we do it is we finally do it as a whole. Fifth thing we do is we do it with a guided defender. Sixth thing we do is we do it, you know, with kind of a, um, you know, they have an advantage against a live defender. Seventh thing we'll do is actually go one-on-one, you know, in a real situation against somebody else that they're going to compete against. Then we build it up to three-on-three. Then we build it up to five-on-five. And that's why it eventually translates into games. And I think that most people just skip all those steps and they just go, you know, one on air or one on a cone. And uh, and then in the game, when they're pressured or they're going against length or there's physicality or the defense, you know, makes an adjustment and throws kind of a new scheme at them that are underprepared and, and ultimately they're not ready for that situation. Some of the video clips that I've seen, it seems like you're having a conversation with your player a lot during the actual workouts, where it would seem for some that when a workout session starts, it's drilled and the next drill, then the next drill, then the next drill. And so the thing that I want to ask you about is interjecting during workouts, because I myself find it personally challenging to know how frequently to stop so that I'm actually communicating the hows and the whys, but not interjecting too often so that I'm basically keeping them from getting the reps that they need. So do you have any suggestions for maybe how much to talk to a guy or when to talk to your players during those actual workouts? I would say the first thing is it depends on the player and kind of their learning style. Um, Some players learn visually where you have to show them and, you know, they have to really be able to see it visually to understand it and grasp it. Some players learn by uh, you know, really thinking through it almost mentally where they would like to really kind of uh, conceptually get it in their head before they do it. Some players learn from trial and error. Um, and so you just got to understand how your players learn. 
then it's just about being efficient. So get them there as fast as you can. But uh, the truth is I always boil things down to three. So I'll never give a guy more than three things to focus on in any given situation. And what it does is it simplifies them and it also allows me to hold them accountable for those three. But then constantly I'm just saying little things, uh, adding depth throughout the entire drill. But those three things are the only three things that I can ever, you know, get mad at them for or hold them accountable for. So, for instance, I think a lot of – let's use shooting because shooting's, you know, pr- probably the most important skill in basketball. Most trainers and most coaches, they bombard their players with everything that they know about shooting. You know, okay, you got to get your shooting hand in the middle of the ball. you got to have your balance hand on the side of the ball. You've got to make sure you have good rhythm. You get your hips underneath. You get your balance base. You get – you know, blah, 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 and keep going. Elbow high, you know, straight follow through, point your finger at the rim, snap, fully snap it, blah, blah, blah. So if you say all these things, the problem is the player might hear everything, but they haven't grasped everything. And so if you just say, hey, listen, I need you to maintain balance throughout your shot. Now, that could compact a couple things. That could mean, hey, listen, I need you to have your feet wide on the landing and on the start. Uh, you know, I need to make sure your hips are even, your shoulders are even throughout your shot. But if you just say, hey, listen, I need you to maintain balance. That's number one. Number two is I need you to have a straight high follow through. That's number two. And number three, you can throw in whatever your teaching point is. But then you can hold them accountable for those things. And so if they drop their follow through, you can say, stop. Hey, listen, what's number two? Number two is straight high follow through. I need to see it every single time. If their feet come together, they twist and turn in the air during their shot, and you say, yo, what's number one? You've got to maintain balance throughout your shot. But I think the problem is a lot of times when you teach, right after you teach, you should be able to ask the player, what are the three main teaching points or what are the two main teaching points? And they should be able to spit back you know, to you in the same order that you do, in order of importance. And it requires um, you know, the, the skills coach or the coach to really um, systematically – teach something but if you do your work beforehand and you understand this is the most important thing for them to accomplish this this is the second most important thing this is the third most important thing then you've really boiled it down to three things for the player to remember and you can hold them accountable for those things and then everything else that you throw in all the little details uh, that go into the move outside of those three things are just added bonus if they get it down and that's the strategy I use just based on kind of the principles of how people learn but it's the reason why cell phone numbers aren't all spaced out you know what I mean every time you notice that you have your area code then you have you know another three numbers and then you have another four numbers it's because we learn in threes and so if you can I would use that theory in basketball training as well how frequently do you incorporate the video are you watching during a workout to re-emphasize those things, or is it after? Uh, is it video of them in games? Is it video of get them in workouts? What type of video do you use, and how frequently do you use that? I would say during the season we use a ton of video um, because we're trying to make adjustments and trying to get them to see what they're doing and what they need to be able to do. During the off-season, we do a big film edit at the beginning of the summer, um, really dive deep into what they did last season, really dive deep into what we're trying to add to their game over the summer, um, and then during workouts, usually it just is when we need it. And so what I mean by that is, you know, if we show up on a, on a given day, we're just going to get into the workout. But if they're struggling with something, then I'll immediately go to the film and help them out. Or if there's something like, uh, you know, maybe they're doing something during the, during the workout that 
um, you know, they're not getting fully and I need them to see what I see them doing, then, you know, I have a full-time videographer, Sam Lamone, that videos all of our workouts. So what we'll do is we'll run over the computer, have Sam pop up the film and be able to show them what I see, especially at the NBA level. But I think it's important that players figure it out on their own almost. You know, the best skills coaches that, that I've been able to watch and best coaches that I've been able to, to watch, they all have, you know, the ability to let players arrive at the answer themselves. If you get that aha moment, it just sticks with the player longer. And so a lot of times if they, you know, their elbow is too far out on their shot or too far in on their shot, instead of me just saying, hey, elbow, you know, get your elbow out or get your elbow in, what I'll do is I'll just film it or have Sam film it. We'll go over to the computer and I'll say, hey, look at your shot. Let me see what you see. And most of the time when they see their elbow flying out or when they see their elbow way in blocking their vision, they'll immediately say, ooh, what am I doing? I need to get my elbow out or I need to get my elbow in. And then now there's just a, it's a more of an impactful moment because they found out for themselves what they need to do. So guide them to the answers instead of necessarily giving them the answers, I think is a big key in, in learning and, and having things stick as well. We talk a lot in basketball about what happens at the NBA level slowly trickles down to the grassroots levels. And you're watching a lot of basketball and working with these guys 12 months out of the year. So skill-wise, what are players doing now at that, those higher levels, whether it's like a specific skill or style of play that impacts skills, but what are, what's happening at those higher levels now that's going to start slowly trickling down that we as skills trainers for younger players need to be focusing on? I always tell uh, trainers that are working with youth players, there's three main skills, shooting, finishing, and decision-making. Now, obviously, there's a second side of the ball, defense, but most skills trainers focus on the offensive end, so that's why I always say those three are the big keys. But I think that, you know, shooting, if you're, I always tell players, or trainers and, and coaches, if you're working with a player and they can't shoot, you're doing them a disservice. You should never teach a player a move, uh, anything else, until they can shoot the ball in today's game. The second thing is finishing. If they can't finish, you're doing them a disservice. You know, I have a couple NBA guys now that we're really working on finishing, and it's something that maybe I didn't emphasize enough, uh, you know, early on in their careers. And, you know, looking back, it's just because the game has changed so much. The game today is all about can you finish at the rim or can you shoot threes? And so I've adjusted my training a lot over the last couple of years based on analytics and stuff like that. Can we generate more threes? Can we make the threes that we generate? Can we generate more drives to the rim? Can we finish when we get to the rim? And then decision-making is just something that is so important because you see a lot of players these days that just simply don't know how to play the game. Uh, you know, put them in short breakdown drills, three-on-two drills, uh, you know, half, half-sided drills, uh, you know, have them come off pick and rolls and actually make, you know, can they throw a pocket pass? Can they throw a lob? Can they, you know, you know let the ball breathe a little bit and then, finish instead of kind of forcing it in there can they play with pace those three things happen i think that um you know they're really equipping their players with uh the basic fundamentals and then from there you can add the footwork and the moves and the and the reads and all that as far as decision making skills go do you do anything specifically with your guys outside of what you've already mentioned to help them with those skills i mean i think we just make everything as game-like as possible i'm, I'm very fortunate in the aspect of you know i usually have like 12 interns at all times that are helping out. So I've got about six interns on each side of the court that are, um, you know, helping out. But 
we can test every shot. Um, we can test every finish. Um, you know, we, we put a body on everybody because I'll give you an example, like ball screens. Everyone knows that, you know, oh, if a defender blitzes out, you split through. If you can, if you can't, then you got to get around them. Or if you can't, then you got to drag them. Again, you see how we broke it down into three. Option one, split through. Option two, get around. Option three, drag. But the hardest part when getting blitzed is actually understanding how to, you know, lose your primary defender so that you can attack the big in a one-on-one situation. And so most of the time I see skills coaches, they simply just work on their reads and they don't work on actually using the ball screen. And then in the game, the defender pressures them, gets up in the ball, and rounds the offensive player out over the screen or pushes them flat and then goes under the screen and meets them on the other side, and then all the reads don't matter. And so, you know, in that situation, I would spend more time on how do you lose your primary defender, what's the angle you need to arrive at, you know, at the screen so that you can split through, so that you can get around, so that you can drag your, you know, the big that's that's blitzing out, instead of just saying, hey, these are the three reads, let's just split against a chair all day and work on a floater afterwards because it's just not as realistic. And so, uh, you know, I think that's the biggest thing we do is we put a, a live defenders or we put, you know, if we, if say they're struck, you know, say once they get the live defender component, then we just build it up. And if you start at the most basic part, you know, if you're talking about pin downs, don't just jump to curls and fades and back doors and whatever, start with, you know, Hey, this guy is in a lock and trail position. How do you swipe off? What are the different cuts? How do you stop and go? How do you, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, if this guy's trying to wedge through the screen, now how do you, what are the different reads before the screen to, you know, run him into the screen or to, you know, gain a, a yard of separation so that you can actually free yourself up for a shot or create for somebody else? Okay, now this guy's top-locking you. Now what are the reads? But just being able to teach them, basically provide solutions for every problem that they're going to see in games, that's the job of a skills coach or a coach that's, that's trying to develop a player. As people listen to this, they're probably amazed at the details that you give. And I saw that you had several courses for players that Pure Sweat was offering and some things that you've done to help with teaching those skills. So you want to tell people about those offerings that you have and maybe give us some examples of the kinds of training that they'll get in those courses? To be honest with you, the reason I created courses was because I wish that there were courses when I was coming up. Um, you know, I, I, I told somebody the other day on the interview, and it was pretty crazy, but when I was younger, I started working with NBA players when I was like 18, 19 years old, and um, I didn't know any NBA terminology. Um, I did not have a progressive curriculum at the time. I was just basically doing my best job of watching film and trying to come up with comparisons. So if I was working with David Lee, was my first NBA player, you know, I would watch all the other power forwards at the time and just try to pick and steal from them. But I really didn't have a strategic way of doing it. It was just more so trial and error. And I was, again, the intent was there, the care was there, uh, but I didn't have the knowledge that I do now. And so what I decided to do was, you know, I'm at the second part of my career. I'm kind of in a give back mode where, um, you know, I, 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 early on in my career, I felt like I was competing with other skills coaches and trainers. And now I'm at the point where, you know, I'm not looking necessarily to gather clients. I'm just really trying to lock in on the guys I have and, and do a good job with them. And so basically the courses are my tell-all. I mean, I give all the secrets. I give all the solutions. I give real-world examples of, hey, I tried to do this, and this didn't work. And, 
it's basically I'm just helping trainers and, and coaches save a lot of time and years. But the first thing that I did was I watched over a million made field goals. I watched eight full seasons of every single made field goal in the NBA, which calculated out to over a million field goals. And I basically organized everything that I learned, all the video clips, all the teaching clips, et cetera, and I, I boiled it down into uh, these courses. And so we've released three of them so far. We're releasing the mid-post and low-post course this month, and uh, we plan on releasing two courses every month uh, throughout 2020 just to be able to help coaches arrive at the answers and solutions that their players need just because I'm tired of seeing trainers and coaches gravitate towards you know, the easy out, which is, you know, throw a few cones down, uh, you know, throw, use a few training gimmicks. And, uh, you know, while their players may get better, they're not getting as good as they could have if they chose depth over props. So whether it's, you know, your social media account or website, where, where can people go to either find out about this or more about you or the Pure Sweat family? You know, Drew Hamlin and Pure Sweat, we have accounts on every major social media platform. But one of the other cool things that I'm doing is, uh, you know, I started a free texting community, 100% free. So if, if they, if, you know, players or coaches or trainers, if they text 314-461-1862, they'll get an auto message from this kind of, you know, a computer bot that says, hey, listen, you know, add your contact information to Drew's phone book just so I know who it is. Otherwise, I'd have to go through the who is this, you know, every single time. And then once they add their, you know, their contact to my phone book, they'll, they'll get daily drills for free, Q&A with me for free. It's literally just my way, again, to give back on a daily basis to coaches, players, and trainers. So I think that's the best way to reach me, honestly, is just via the text community that, um, you know, we're, we've built up. And it's, it's great to be able to talk to coaches. Last night I did – I was in Boston, and um, you know, I had a bunch of coaches and players text me, and we did a little meet and greet at halftime. And I had about probably 12 or 13 coaches and players that you know met up in the hallway at a Celtics game, and it's just really cool to connect with with everybody that uh, you know shares the same love of the game that I do. I will be sure to put all of that information down in the show notes so coaches can connect with you. Drew, I know your schedule is extremely busy, so thank you so much for giving back to us and, and being so gracious with your time with us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Just really quickly, if you haven't heard yet about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other platforms so your show actually gets heard. You can even make money from your podcast no matter the size of your audience. It really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.